Hello, everybody. How's it going? Ben Gothard here with the Project Egg Podcast, the number one place for entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs to come get the education and inspiration they need to turn their dreams into reality. Today, I am very excited to welcome Stefan Pretty from Scotland. How are you doing today, Stefan? I'm good, Ben. Thanks very much for having me on. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, especially because you're on the show today. Now, guys, <laughs> Stefan is the founder of Subly, and we're going to get more into that later on. Uh, but, Stefan, let's jump right in. My first question for you is, what is your story? Sure. It's a long, it's a long uh, answer to that question, actually, so I'll try and keep it condensed for you. Um, no, no, I, we want the long answer. We want the okay. long and, and dirty, yeah. We're going deep, then. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> Nobody told me this was going to be a therapy session. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so, uh, you know, it was funny. I was thinking about this the other day, and I flashed back to something that happened when I was, like, eight years old. Um, So me and my cousin used to be, like, we're we're really good friends, but, like, we used to, like, always, like, ideate business ideas. You know, back when Pokemon was hot, it still is, apparently. (laughs) And we were, we were like discussing like, let's do like a Pokemon theme park and all this stuff. And we were just mad about like business ideas. Anyway, so at that time, I had no idea what even the word entrepreneur meant. Like I didn't know that what, like try and spell that at eight years old. And um, my, my dad, I, I, you know, this is when mobile phones and cell phones were like a, a thing, like a new thing really for like the current, you know, generation. And you were like privileged to have a mobile phone at that age. And my my dad gave me and my sister um, our first business cards. Um, my sister's three years older than me. And basically, he put on my sister, like, you know, singer and actress and all the things that she was interested in. I was wanting to be a pilot when I was eight years old, right? But he wrote on mine, potential entrepreneur. And I was thinking, I was like, why did he do that? Like, maybe he saw something that I didn't at that time. And it's just funny how, like, looking back, I'm, you know, I'm 28 now. That's like 20 years ago. And, and, he, and he did that. So anyway, so the full story is, I um I basically was in university studying civil engineering, but at the same time I'd already been making websites. Um, I'd been you know really interested in design, photography, um, and I was really versed with Photoshop. Uh, thanks Adobe for letting everybody get away with pirating it because that's probably started so many careers and in innovation you wouldn't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> Back in the day, and I think it was Photoshop five or something. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, so I, I was really interested in like the design aspect of things, and I started kind of dabbling with HTML, and I was getting frustrated because I was always like, okay, I want to make it do more now. Like, how can I do more with my skills? Um, so I started um, a project, and it was basically um, it was kind of like a voting project, but it was kind of like thumbs up or thumbs down. Yes, it was called yeah, but no. So like yes or no, and you could publish like videos, uh, songs, you know, any any rich content. And basically my, my, my buddy that I met, he was a backend developer and he was like, I'll do it with you. So we did it together. And about halfway through the project, he was like, no, I, I don't, I don't have enough time to do this. He was like, here's the code. So I was like, all right, cool. So I just started reading the code and like reverse engineered it and then finished the project and basically taught myself like backend development. And then I started doing agency work. Um, like, you know, I went out and sold my first website for like a hundred pounds. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm making money. <laughs> um, at, at the same time, as all of this, I was also doing like um, other side projects like uh, student pub crawls, as I said, photography. 
and then eventually um a couple of more side projects as i learned you know programming uh got featured on like actually we were mentioned one of the side projects i got uh that i did was mentioned on uh, dutch television or something um it was called social whispers and then uh, a couple of other projects some got picked up and went viral um and yeah just kind of grew arms and legs for there from there but the agency side of things was always like my bread and butter so i was doing like consulting web development my skills were getting sharpened over over time through that and then the other thing that the other key component from my full skill set was well i've got these skills how do i sell them so i learned how to do sales but more importantly how to do online marketing because i had, i accidentally stumbled across basically search engine optimization and seo and realized i was like you know i i, I kind of understand this this clicks really well with me started doing experiments and, and trying to work on my 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 portfolio website and eventually you know we were number two in my city in scotland where i was living at the time um I forgot to miss a point. I, I dropped out of university after two years. I, I quit. My dad unfortunately passed away. And I was like, you know, one of the things he said to me was, whatever you decide to do in life, I'll support you 100%. So, I, you know, that was in the back of my head. I was like, life's too short. So I just quit university and went full time with my, like, the, the agency side of things. So, yeah, from there, I, um, as I said, like, I learned SEO. Um, started doing like more networking and projects got bigger and bigger. So from that hundred pound website, you know, the bar kept going up and up and up. Um, and then eventually, you know, I had a team of six people once I actually decided to go from like freelancer to properly incorporated company. Um, and you know, we, we just kept growing like 400% a year. We were up for high growth company of the year for two award bodies in, in Edinburgh and Scotland. And um yeah it was a journey man and you know some of the clients i got to work with on that journey were really quite notable you know in the uk like some really big names so really uh excited to like share that journey with you i know it's quite long but then that brings me to the current journey which is subly and so i had a client meeting it was actually an ex-girlfriend and we were sitting down and she was discussing yeah it was awkward as hell because her mum was there and it was <laughs> but it was great and um she came in and she was like, I want to start this detox, uh, like juice cleanse subscription box. Now this is like four and a half years ago, I think. And, um, you know, I was like, yeah, okay, what's your budget? And she was sharing her budget and she was running through like the branding she wanted done. Cause by this point we were like branding SEO, digital development, you know, uh, development and uh, design. And, um, she uh you know ran me through everything and I, I was like okay well it's the budget's not big enough to actually develop a subscription box website because i knew from a programming perspective that was going to be quite complicated so i was looking around and at the time there really wasn't anything that was friendly to use to make a subscription box website so that's when i kind of had that light bulb moment and i was obsessed immediately obsessed you know so four years later been uh, working on subly and uh going from strength to strength so that's the full long story you did ask <laughs> <laughs> so let's go back to when you were eight years old i want to talk sure. a little bit about that you said that you used to ideate with your with your friend and y'all talk about pokemon and and yeah. you wanted to be a pilot and all these things well what similarities do you see between your eight-year-old self and now your 28 year old self who is that entrepreneur how how have you seen yourself develop from that age to now similarities is a really good question actually i think um i think the main similarity is that and this is probably a, a, a personality trait is i'm a very I, i've always wanted to understand how things work 
like uh, it's like a deep uh, it's almost an obsession wanting to know like how is this phone in my hand working like the code etc 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 and when i become asphyxiated on something uh, I, I will keep going until i understand it the next layer and the next level and the next level um i think that's continued from from that age until now um which is why i've learned all these skills so i think that's probably the biggest similarity the other one is um actually <laughs> i always say that uh naivety is an entrepreneur's best friend because in order to be stupid enough, <laughs> stupid enough to actually believe that you can go ahead and do this stuff and it's going to be easy that's the stupidity of it it'll be easy because i used to always tell myself it'll be easy it'll be easy um that's the naivety component that every entrepreneur actually needs to be honest with you i mean there's a realism aspect aspect as well there's different types of entrepreneurs but i think the most common in my in my experience the most common category is the guys who are like ah, it'll be easy <laughs> it'll be easy and, and and then they get into it and it's like oh this is really hard but that's okay <laughs> because they've, they've taken those first steps and now they're committed so that's that's one thing for me that i would say is pretty consistent like i've always been like i, I guess over time though that i've definitely growing uh, a deeper understanding of what's involved with things though so there's definitely a much more realistic opinion on it but i still have just a little bit in the back of my head or like even over the forefront of my hand head that's like yeah it'll be easy <laughs> <laughs> that's great so you talked a little bit about how you would get obsessed with things and you yeah. know you might tackle a new skill or a new project and just dive into it a hundred percent so for some people that aspect of learning that new skill is pretty difficult, right? It's pretty difficult to, to take a new skill like SEO, for example, and just dive into it 100%. So for somebody who might not have your natural curiosity, what can you offer them? What guidance and advice can you offer those people to help them to grasp concepts more quickly? Uh, I kind of guess what I'm saying is how can you teach somebody else to learn as effectively as you can? Yeah, that's a really good question, actually, Ben. I think, um, so I, I can't remember who, who said it, but there was um, there was some, I believe it was, was it Elon? I don't know if it was Elon Musk. It was somebody who was pretty p prolific anyway. And they basically said that in order to really effectively understand, to learn something, learn something specifically, and to re retain it is to understand it. So to understand the underlying core concepts of it um, allows you to like hold it for for a lot longer. Because if you don't understand it and you're just trying to remember facts like statements or words or numbers, you'll lose it because you don't understand the core underlying concept. So for me, I think that that's really benefited me because once I understand something, I, I mean, I write everything down, right? Literally, I write everything down because there's so much in my daily life that I need to like think about, write down, process, come back to it later. It's like a, this is, this is my RAM, you know, like I have to have that. But once I get something or I come up with a solution or I understand it from beginning to end and I see the full picture, it's not going anywhere. It's stuck in my head. So that's the first part. I would say that like <clears throat> when you're learning, make sure you understand it and, and strive to understand what's actually making it work. Um, the other part is, um, you know, d diving into things I would say is number one, actually, like, I know some people are like, how do I learn it? Like, it's almost like asking that question isn't necessarily the right question in the, in the sense that like, you, you're going to look for resources. Yeah, that's good, but that's still not helping you learn. The actual only really way, I believe, is the only way to actually learn something is to do it, to actually just do it. 
right? Because you're going to figure out the answers and fill the gaps yourself. Like, okay, so now I'm doing SEO, right? And, and that's it. I'm doing SEO right now. And then going in and being like, okay, so what do I need to know? And then you're going to start researching. And then you'll start finding little snippets of, of information. So like, oh, here's a word. What does that mean? And then you research that word. And then it opens up, you know, another rabbit hole for that specific topic within the, the bigger picture. And then you end up connecting dots. And that's when you start to build, build a picture and then understand the whole picture. And that's when things really start to fall into place and then stick. So, I mean, that's me trying to share how I think my approach works. Uh, everybody's different though. Yeah, but everybody is different. I agree. I also think that hearing other people's perspectives and the ways that they go about things are very, very uh, beneficial and, and it can help somebody else have a, an epiphany of, oh, that's how you do it. Okay, well, let me try that. Let me apply that to my life and implement. So when you were talking about how eight years old, you got your first uh, set of business cards. Yeah. <laughs> It makes me think a lot of identity, right? And you, you at eight years old, thinking about, yeah. <laughs> you at eight years old got this new identity of potential or aspiring entrepreneur. Yeah. How important was that identity to you? And for somebody who's thinking about jumping in and starting their own business, how important is it that they get their identity? on track and in line and what is the right identity because we have to wear so many different hats yeah it's a it's a really good point and you hit the nail on the head because when i was thinking recalling that memory i realized that maybe maybe that was the seed just that tiny little seed and i didn't understand what an entrepreneur was i didn't care for it either i just i was like sounds like a complicated whatever i don't don't care some uh, whatever and um I was still fixated on being a pilot. I'm still very much interested and passionate about uh, aviation. But I think um, it, it really, it might have planted a seed in the, in the long run, or, or my, my, my dad might have seen something in me that he thought, I want to ho ho foster this a little bit more, or you know, he might project it a little bit on me because he was an entrepreneur. And I, I do think that it probably embedded in my ident identity at such a young age. I didn't latch on or, or identify with that until a much later point in time where it started to become like, oh, my interests, actually, that's what that is. Um, so I do think that there's a, a bit of both. I definitely think it, it was a seed, though, that grew over time and connected with the other components of my personality. You know, I've, I've had people in business around me my whole entire life, and I've been lucky for that. But I, I, I do think it's important because... I see other people who are in careers and they go the, the whole the whole school college route and then eventually they come out and they're getting to a job and then suddenly the, the I think because of the media that we have the connection the, you know the internet that brings everybody together and entrepreneurship became really hot and cool and popular after Mark Zuckerberg made a massive explosion with Facebook I think that that became like cool and I think people started to I you know it, it brought it to the forefront of people's minds and I, again, seeds, like plant the seeds in many people's mind. It's not for everybody, obviously. And, you know, I think some people are definitely more inclined to be like uh, wired for entrepreneurship or for a different career path, et cetera, et cetera. So, but, you know, there, there's also a risk there just to make that clear that some people think, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur because that's cool, but they're not, they're not necessarily the right person for it. Does that make sense? Like, you know, they, they might like the idea of it 
it's kind of like a it's like a relationship you like the idea of that person but actually they're not for you um and and most of us go through that experience probably multiple times in our lives as well so it's it's okay not to be like identifying with it completely does that make sense but it definitely is important to be able to have that seed and then see it in yourself i guess um yeah i think the that pretty much sums it up. But there was another point I had, and I now have forgotten. Um, it'll come back to me. Okay. So let's move on to your college years. Uh, I believe you said that you were an engineer, uh, your engineering major, uh, for the first two years before you left. Uh, what about engineering caused you to want to go that route? Why did that appeal to you? And uh, kind of a two-part question. Did you learn anything in that time that is now helping you as an entrepreneur? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. And I'll tell you the story behind how I ended up doing civil engineering. And basically, um, when I was at school, high school, as you call it, uh, secondary school in the UK, um, we did this thing called the more I think it was the Moresby test. Now, the Moresby test was like a skills-based test where Similar to how I believe an else, uh, like a, an Elsa or something, I don't even know. <laughs> Would go where you do all these different tests, and then you they kind of they're based on different skills. Um, and afterwards, what we did was we they would review it, and then they'd create like a profile, and then they'd sit down with you and they'd advise you on career paths. Okay, because when you're twenty, uh, sorry, when you're like 16, 15, you don't really know. Like for the most part, you don't know like what what's available and what you want to do and where you're going to go. Most people. There's a very small percentage of people who are like, that's why I want like me wanted to be a pilot. So it's funny because I'm not a pilot. <laughs> but there you go. Um, so anyway, I, I did my uh, Moresby test and basically my mechanical abilities were like, like very high. So I sat down with the advisor and he said, okay, so this is what you recommend, what we recommend you do based on these skills. Um, and mine were all engineering based, so aeronautical, um, you know, civil, blah, 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 blah. So then a year later, maybe we're sitting down applying through UCAS to go to university. And I was in the library and my, my running part, like not my partner, but running, one of my running friends, Elsa, was sitting there. Um, and I'm on the UCAS website scrolling like, I need to pick a degree because everybody's picking degrees. I didn't really want to go to university. I just knew I had to. So I'm, I'm scrolling through and I'm like, aeronautical the bar is too high like i don't study hard enough like i'm 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 good at getting decent grades without having to study but i don't like studying so i i'm probably not gonna get aeronautical engineering they require straight a's um you know it was just funny because I, I think I, I read civil engineering i was like what, what the hell is that and I, looked, <laughs> and I looked over at elsa and i was like elsa she was like what and i was like what's uh what's civil engineering and i'm gonna swear because i'm quoting her <laughs> and she goes Bridges and, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, cool! That sounds that sounds cool." Um, apply. <laughs> That's literally how I chose uh, civil engineering. And then, uh, yeah, a year in, two years in, I mean, I was I was like, if I do something, I try and do it as best I can. Like I, I was like a, a class rep or whatever they call it, and uh, I got involved. Good grades, first year, second year, and just changed completely and was really quite dull and intense um you know the math side of thing was just like whoa like just constantly resolving <laughs> things on paper i was like this is so boring 
And then um, I, my dad passed away, and I was like, ah, life's too short. Just just take the leap of faith. It was obviously a trigger for me. So I went and see my advisor studies, and I was like, I'm quitting. And he was like, I can tell you're the type of person who's not going to stay. So I'll do the paperwork, and that was it. Um, what did it, what did it uh, give towards my career today? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> you, know what, <laughs> you know what? Actually, um, what I did learn from it was um, doing the stuff on the side, like the, the student uh, events, like pub crawls and stuff, building websites. I learned more doing that than I did in school. And uh, the only thing I really would say I learned from being in school is a, a better understanding of the, the, the system of the world because of the engineering component. But more importantly is the psychology of people meeting so many different new people so quickly because like understanding how people work you know and i've always been really fascinated by psychology and again wanting to understand how things work um i think i got a good dose really quickly in that short space of time to understand how different types of people work from a sales perspective so um yeah the true answer is i don't think it contributed to my career so you mentioned two things that I really want to dig into. The first one being that uh, maybe it was a test or, or evaluation to show you your strengths. Because mm -hmm. as, as entrepreneurs and as leaders, I think it's very important that we understand what we're good at in order to know what we should double down on and hone uh, mm -hmm. because that can directly be correlated to the value that we provide to the marketplace. Mm -hmm. So how would you go about uh, if you're an aspiring entrepreneur, how would you go about identifying what your skills are, what your strengths are, and what you need to double down on? I think we all know deep down, to be honest with you. I think um, the fun funny thing is talking about identity, though, and the, the seed of, you know, my dad saying a potential entrepreneur on the business card, like somebody identifies something in you, right? That can be fostered more awareness is like the the key component so say you it, it can go one of both ways so say you you play a sport for the first time and you suck at it uh, straight away right you you know people might laugh or you feel shy or in, insecure about it you shut down on it you're like no and it's it just taken somebody in that moment to be like hey you're, you're um your your arm on that you know that swing or whatever or you're your lag on that was actually there's something there like let's let's try again you know it could have went completely different path and that and, and forked off in a different direction and I think um so that awareness is essential but I think deep down we know we're we're good at something but it needs to be confirmed by an outsider so I think that's it just shows how susceptible we are to external feedback and um, I think maybe asking somebody like you know like what do you think my strengths are as a, as an individual gives you a mirror to look at for a brief moment to then realize oh these are my strengths or you know and it, you can't just rely on one source i think asking constantly is an important thing till so you start to see it in yourself and are able to be you know a lot of this comes from confidence and um you know believing in yourself and and you know self-loving such because you have to really be like okay am i good at this and then actually believe it because then like, it'll, it'll grow arms and legs, it'll snowball, it'll get, you know, gain momentum and you'll start going further and further down that path. But the other key part of this is that you have to like it. You, you can't, you can't, you can't become good at something that you don't like. You're never going to actually, because you're not going to pursue it. But don't, just because somebody says you're good at something doesn't mean you have to be good at it. 
you might have a natural inclination for something, but if you don't enjoy it, then what's the point in pursuing it? You know, um, I think if you like something and aren't naturally good at it, that's a, I don't have the answer to that question, actually. Uh, um, I think willpower and determination trump everything at the end of the day. If you really, 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 really want to do something and you love it that much, you will become good at it if you keep trying hard enough. You know, it might not come naturally, but you keep persisting. You know, it's like a business. Iterate it. Keep pushing forward. Learn from your mistakes. Fail. Fail again. Eventually, you're going to get to that point where you're like, okay, I'm actually getting good at this. So, That's really yeah. great insight. That's really great insight. So the second point that I wanted to, to touch on here and really drill down into was uh, when you said you had your, your jumping off moment, your, your diving point. Uh, and unfortunately, and I'm, you know, I'm sorry to hear that your father passed away. Um, but for entrepreneurs who don't have that sort of trigger event in their life, how did they know that it's the right time to jump into entrepreneurship, to start their own business? And that also begs the question, is there a right time to become an entrepreneur and dive into it? Yesterday. I mean, jokes aside, though, at the end of the day, like, they're, they're, I think, I know it sounds really backwards. You know, this is actually coming back to the thing I forgot earlier. In, a, in terms of identity, I think a big part of why some of the most hungriest entrepreneurs in the world are, are, are the way they are is because of a great deal of pain at an early point in their life. Um or, or, yeah, that's it. That's pretty much the, the basic premise of it. So in order for change to take place, there either has to be a great deal of pleasure at the other end of it or a great deal of pain where you currently are, are at or both. And it usually is both. And I think if you're sitting and you've got this idea, for example, um, then, you know, you, you're, you're going to need a catalyst. And there's no, there's no right time. It's just yesterday. You just got to get going. Take the first step. You know, I think for me, seeing opportunities pass by me more and more frequently uh, causes me to be more inclined to just take action today, you know? So I think for an entrepreneur, they need to get enough of that pain to, to build up to be like, okay, I'm going to actually just take the leap of faith and quit my job because I've seen too many people do my the thing I wanted to do, you know, and, and I'm not doing it. And that's a, that's a good catalyst right there. Uh, if you don't have the other pain, like, you know, somebody passing away or a, a, a difficult situation or a hard time or hardship in general in your life. So let's talk now about when you got out of college and you were building this agency. And mm -hmm. I believe you said you started off at first with by selling that website for 100 pounds and it just grew and grew and grew from there. So yep. what were those first steps that you took? Because for a lot of people, they just don't know how to actually take that first step. So what were yours and how did you then build momentum and get to the point where you were making you know, good money and, and you were really able to support yourself off of your agency? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't think there's necessarily a, a, a specific recipe for, um, for success. I think it's... It, Oftentimes things are accidental in life. Um, so for me, uh, for example, that first website was an accident. I think kind of, kind of. I think it's a combination of two. They say, you know, you create your own luck. You know, you have to uh, 
put yourself in as many situations as you possibly can until eventually you get lucky, right? And for me, I was interested in building websites and I think I think I was just telling people about it. Now, this is a really important thing, by the way. You know, a lot of people undervalue how important communication really is and the words that come out of your mouth create your reality, so to speak. Um, and this um, this guy, I can't remember how I even connected with him, basically wanted a website. And I was like, I'll do it for £100 because he said he couldn't spend any more than £100. And I was like, I'll do it. So, you know, I did it and I made £100 and then suddenly you've got a small amount of momentum and, and validation because we're kind of getting to a very loose form of the lean business principles, right? And uh, I, I was, you know, then I was like, okay, I want to do this again. Who can I get next? So then I start looking outwards, you know, a bit further beyond just friends and family and, and their friends and then going to local businesses, you know, and then be like, hey, do you want a website? And just that's that's how it happened for me. Um, if I was to do it now, I would say, you know, those initial steps should be all about research and then, you know, talking to people who are potentially your customer and finding out if there's a need. And then if there, if it sounds like there is, then doing the bare minimum, first small project, first whatever, try and sell it and then, you know, get validation for that idea. And then you're like, okay, let's, let's take it to the next level. And it is, it's all about small steps and iterations, but communications where it all starts absolutely absolutely so when you went from that first hundred pounds and then you started scaling up and you started building a team and you really started to see that success what were some changes in how you operated your business in other words what did you have to do differently once you started building out a full team and started getting to that next level? What were the differences between that and when you first started? That's a good question. I think um, structure, operation, like operationally is having processes and structure in place. So becoming efficient became more and more important as you start to grow because you want to have processes that are replicable. Uh, you know, when you start a business, it's just you and you don't, you, you can do everything. So you can be a little bit messy. You can have things written in different places. But when you start to think about scaling and actually, you know, hiring somebody else, you know, you're going to want them to, you want to delegate, right? Because as an entrepreneur, you're always thinking, you know, I, I want to do everything. I, my, you know, generally, generally speaking, our micromanagers are perfectionists. And, and it's hard to delegate. But when you hire somebody because you need to delegate, and you have to trust in that person, but you need to educate them. And when you do that, you'll quickly find out that like, you're gonna have to create a, a process for scaling that laterally. So like, um, when you hire the second person, you don't have to educate them all again, like, you know, through the same one-on-one -on -one communication, because it's a huge time drain. So then you'll quickly learn, or I quickly learned that like, okay, let's document when you're educating somebody, what's involved, turn it into a document that, that you can then just pass to somebody and be like, Here's the steps that our business follows and turn everything into a process as much as possible that eases the growth. Um, you're never gonna get it right first time and it's gonna be a constant iterative process as well. Um, I think that's one of the things I learned in the agency especially, actually, uh, because you're dealing with so many people. It's a, it's a very people-focused business. Sales, you know, uh, you're, you're working with your team uh, and you're coordinating between you know, the client once they're onboarded and the projects and you try and make things uh, templated. So I think that's how things change for me because 
you know, when you start out, you do everything yourself and it's all in here and that's okay. But if you get hit by a bus, let's hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> If you get hit by a bus, then your business is gone. You know, if you want to leave a legacy, you want it to continue growing without you. So think about it like that. You're building this business. You're putting all this energy and time and passion into it. If if you if you're taking out the equation because of you know God forbid health problems, then will it continue without you? And you want your business to be able to continue without you. That's the goal, in my opinion. Absolutely, and I think that's a great goal because, like you said, you never know when something's going to happen to you. And so you don't want to be that bottleneck. Like yeah. I, I always think about, okay, you know, one of, one of the things that I want to accomplish in my life is I want to go to Brazil in the rainforest and, you know, go discover an ancient ruins for like three weeks. Well, yeah. when I'm off doing that, my business still needs to run, needs to operate. Like there are customers that need to see results. So it's, I think it's brilliant what you're saying uh, yeah. about having processes, when you're bringing on people, document exactly how you bring them up to speed. Uh, I think I think that's brilliant. And actually, a lot of the things that you've been saying, uh, you know, are, are brilliant. So for everybody listening, I highly encourage you to go back and listen to this interview a couple times and really try to pick out uh, these these gems that uh, Stefan's been dropping because they've been red hot fire, and I would hate for you to miss <laughs> it. So go back and listen a couple times. So I the next thing I want to talk about is when you were transitioning from the agency to your next business. Mm -hmm. And you talked a little bit about how you identified the need, but how did you exit the agency and how did you really dive right into the next venture of yours? Yeah, that's a good question. And it's something I was discussing recently, actually. And the true story is that I had two choices. Obviously, one was to try and sell the business and use that money to start the next one or use the skills that we had um, and and start the first version of, of the, you know, the product. And I went with the second option because it was more efficient. It was quicker to market. You know, we didn't have to wait for finding a buyer and going through the paperwork, doing the due diligence, et cetera, et cetera. Um, would I have done it differently now? Maybe. I don't know. That might have changed with age. I, I, I don't know. I'm not in that situation right now. But I think, um, yeah, basically what we, what we did was I used like the, I had the idea in my head very quickly and I, we did like the brand brand very quickly. And then I locked myself away and let the, cause I put processes in place. I let the, the team continue running the business day to day. And I locked myself away and just coded. And then, you know, now and again, I'd pull on resources, like, you know, get help from development from, from our developer. And, um, you know, once we got to version 1.0, like by that time, the team had already realized that I was more passionate about this business, which is understandable. Like, I, they, they weren't, they weren't, I don't think they're bitter about it. And if they were to watch this, I hope they weren't. And if they are, then I'm sorry. But, uh, you know, they are, I think they understood it. And I actually offered them to join me on the journey. And, but for them, their careers were, you know, on a good path. And, at the end of the day, I think they moved on to bigger and better things as a result of the time they did with me. And, I, you know, I gave them, uh, I hope, good references. And, you know, I'd always be a reference for those guys because they helped me get to where I am today. So I'm eternally grateful for that. But, um, yeah, I basically just used some of the resources, like branding-wise, et cetera, to kind of get the initial business in place. And then I just basically reverted my focus to it over time. I mean, it started as like a part-time endeavor. So I was balancing the two but for me, I'm a focused 
uh, one of the first lessons I learned was focus is important. And that was because of one of my good friends. Um, he's like a mentor to me. And he said to me, Stefan, you've got, I was like, got this idea, that idea, this idea, that idea. And he was like, you need to learn how to focus. And that stuck in my head. And he was right. Because when you focus, things start to really move forward. That's what moves the needle. So, yeah, I just basically diverted the tension over time and then did the, the lean, kind of the lean startup model uh, effectively and um, iterated, validated demand and, and moved from there. So when you first started Subly until now, I believe you said it's been about four years. Uh, how has the growth been for the company and what steps did you take to get users, get customers? How did you prove that, uh, you know, that idea, prove concept and, and how did you really launch it to what it is today? Yeah, so at the very beginning, one of the things that we did was actually we got picked up by somebody in, ironically in Edinburgh in Scotland, which is where I'm from, um, who published us on Product Hunt and we got hunted and that kind of got as our first initial traction and paying customer. And then after that, you know, we invested a lot of time up front on content, to be honest with you. Content was one of our main drivers at the beginning. Um, over time, like, to be honest with you, we're, we're pretty um, steady growth and we've, we've stayed very lean and, and we haven't spent too much on, on advertising. It's all mostly been organic and word of mouth and, you know, a little bit of paid ads and stuff like that. But I think it's, um, it's possible to do it with time and energy if you're limited on money because we're bootstrapped just to make that 100 clear 100 bootstrap business as of today um again i'm evaluating always whether or not we we should take it to the next level by raising funding or we just can take it to the next level by putting more energy and time into it so um yeah it's been very much organic uh, you know communication with customers word of mouth etc so um but yeah the growth has been it's been nice and steady for the most part over the last three, three and a half years since we launched. And I think um, that's a nice place to be, but you know, always looking for opportunities to take even further. So we're going through a really interesting phase right now of like iterating uh, faster and, and uh, focusing more on our marketing because we, our product has come from strength to strength. When we first launched, our product was was embarrassing. <laughs> that's the that's the, uh, the truth of, of an MVP, do you know what I mean? So. Uh, we were we were doing it right in that sense, and um, I think uh, you know if you're embarrassed by your product, you're probably doing it right. And that's what my my good friend says to me all the time. He's like, if you're embarrassed by it, then you've done it right because you've got that real minimum viable product. But um, yeah, our product's like coming from strength to strength right now, and I'm really excited by that. So yeah, I think. Um, from, from from my perspective, I believe in content strategies are very important, but they're, they're not as effective as they used to be because people are kind of getting clued up to it now. So it's just like anything, you just got to keep innovating and finding out and staying at the edge of, of, of marketing, you know, and what's out there. Absolutely. So for your business, mm -hmm. um, can you, for the people who are not as familiar with Subly as maybe you would like them to be, can you fill us in on exactly what it does, why it's so great, and who it's the best for? Sure. Yeah, so basically, um, Subly is a, it's a turnkey solution for anybody who wants to start or run or add a subscription box to, you know, start a subscription box or add uh, into an existing business 
Um, and it's, it's like a, a, you know, you have the website builder, the billing management, order management, communication with your customer management. Um, it's, it's a turnkey solution. It's effectively, I hate to use the analogy, but it's like Shopify for subscription box businesses or subscription businesses. And um, it's, it's perfect for the, I'm going to lose you in a second, by the way, because my headphones are dying. <laughs> I didn't realize this was going to go on for so long. Um, can you hear me okay? Yeah. Okay, great, cool. Um, so yeah, basically the, um, uh, yeah, I lost you for a second there. Um, it's perfect for if, you, if you're if wanting to start from scratch or if you want to add it to an existing website because you can embed our checkout, uh, which is gorgeous on your uh, existing website. And um, it makes subscription a lot simpler because uh, it's notoriously complicated. And um, yeah, I think that pretty much summarizes it. So to play devil's advocate a little bit and to, you know, really help us get a better understanding of Subly, uh, what is the advantage of using Subly over uh, competitors like, you know, WordPress with a plugin or Shopify with a plugin or something like ClickFunnels or, or uh, you know, sure. software like that? Yeah, so the real advantage is that, um, you know, Shopify with a plugin is well. It's the Shopify with a plugin. It's it's they're they're two separate products that you're making work together. Um, there's two moving parts there, which can add complexity. I'm not saying it's not a good solution. It, it is a good solution. It just um, it's a consideration that you know later down the line it might be difficult, and there's maybe potential additional costs there. Um, with um, WordPress, you need some technical know-how. Have I lost you? Can hear you? Yeah, but. Oh, you can hear me. I'm really running on empty fumes right now. <laughs> um, so yeah, basically, can you hear me? Yeah. Good. Sorry. Um, I think uh, like with Shopify, uh, sorry, with WordPress, you need technical know-how and knowledge, and not everybody has that. Um, and if you want to do something um, that's not within like their their main feature set, then you're going to have to hire a developer. Uh, you can't just like request a feature and, or, you know, for the most part, we've had so many different cases where we've covered the majority of cases in our software. So, um, you know, I'd like to think that we've, we're just the, the easy solution and, and, and the least friction to getting to that point. Um, and, and the most uh, cost-effective way of doing it as well, without having to hire a developer or get pieces, you know, pulled together to make it work or make your business model work. Just easier <laughs> definitely definitely so for the future mm -hmm. right you know we, we talked a little bit about uh, your past and, and where you came from and how you got to where you are um, actually before we do we go to the future uh, I want to hear about uh, right now so what is the biggest focus for you as of right now on your journey yeah I think that's a really good question for right now it's um scaling to be honest with you is scaling it's taking it to the next level and um proving that you can bootstrap for 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 a fair amount of time if not completely i mean look at mailchimp look at uh basecamp these guys are huge i mean okay they're anomalies they're unicorns as you want to call them but they just followed the the, the, the book you know they, they did it step by step and they iterated it and improved and iterated and improved and communicate with their customers and listen to them. And I think that's where we're at just now is like, we're just trying to start to pick up some speed now. We've done a lot of learning. And uh, at this point in time, it's we've got a really, really great product. And 
you know, our customers love our, our approach and they, 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 it seems to be that they really like what we're about. Um, and I think we've built like a good community as well, you know, and I think the fact that we are in that iterative process shows that we care and we're not just trying to please VCs, you know, or, or venture, you know, like uh, outside funders. So um, I think that makes a difference. Being bootstrapped kind of adds a bit of rock and roll to it, which is kind of our branding, like, uh, which is quite cool. So yeah, our focus right now is definitely scaling and speeding up. Absolutely. So your business and, and you being the founder of that business, you guys are on the leading edge of running a subscription-based business. So yeah. for somebody who is looking to get into that space, can you as you know definitively as possible share with people and drop some serious value here, my man, share with people how to really build a subscription-based business? Sure, okay. Yeah, so basically a subscription business um, is difficult. I think the main thing that you need to do is a lot of people, and this is for any business, but subscription, this, I see this happening all the time. People actually, you know, they always think it's only going to work if it's not being done before. That's bullshit. Excuse my language, it's bullshit. Basically, you want to validate the need for it and you want to find your specific uh, target audience um, who you're targeting. And then the main things, and this again applies to all online businesses, but because subscription is so new, we see a lot of new entrepreneurs who are very, very, very new to this. Um, is making sure that your your value proposition is good. Make sure it's aligned with your 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 copy on your website. Make sure you're building trust straight away, and then having your your messages aligned. Um, that's that's missing from so many startups I see, and it's it's okay. I mean, it's all learning at the end of the day, and we start with the basics, and then we expand our knowledge, and then we learn from there, and we expand our knowledge further. And um, I think. The other thing that people need to think about though is their cash flow situation. So with regards to subscription, you know, you want to plan your, your stock for the next shipment, which is next month or next quarter, for example. And and having that logistics in place from day one is quite important. I mean, there is going to be again a learning curve there, but really think about how's my cash flow going to be? Uh, you know, I'm going to have to order product. Am I going to have the money from the customers up front or am I not? Um, Subly is pretty good for that because we've got like cutoff logic and like shipping date logic built in for the monthly stuff. And um, yeah, we've, 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 we're learning with our customers on that process. But the, um, the the main thing is I would, I would run a pre-launch, get validation, check to see if there's a need, learn quickly how you're going to be able to acquire customers as well. Where are you going to find them? Who are they? Draw a picture in your head of that person and then put it on paper. Who is that person? What's their name? How old are they? How much do they earn? You know where where do they reside? Where do they reside? Where are they going to be hanging out? Who do they talk to? Um, and then talk to them, find that person, talk to them. Um, there's seven billion people on this planet. I could guarantee you're going to find some of the people that you want to target. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, I want to do sort of a live case study, if you will, uh, and you know, I want to do this because I think it will again really prove how much of an authority you are in this space and also i love case studies so okay. um you know if you'll kind of uh, humor me a little bit if you will um, sure, I'm my best. <laughs> yeah so let's take project egg for example right mm -hmm. project egg is a podcast where we bring on experts like yourself in various fields and the purpose is to educate and inspire existing and aspiring entrepreneurs to 
turn their dreams into reality. Now, mm -hmm. at, you know, as a business, we need to find something to sell. And as a mm -hmm. podcast, I love the idea of having a subscription sort of uh, model to it, whether it be a membership site or something else, right? So mm -hmm. given that we have tons of very high quality content, and you know maybe there are a few courses here and there that uh, you know we could rope together from the different uh, experts and whatnot. How would you turn uh, this business into a, a subscription model? So what would you sell, and how would you go about selling it? I think I missed part of the question. Um, are you talking about what business are we talking about? Egg specifically. Yeah, so we're talking about Project Egg, the, the podcast itself. Given that we have all this content, you know, do we sell the content? What do we sell? How do we sell it? Okay. Um, well, I think, first of all, what you'd want to do is um, send out a message to your customers uh, asking them what they find the most value from in your project. What's, where does the most value lie? And then um, what, where the least value lies, right? And then there's different models you could take. Um, you can maybe do like a paywall for the, the, the highest value content, or you could do like a freemium model whereby you could actually give it to them for free and then they upgrade for specific exclusive content. Um, that, that, that could work quite nicely for this one. Uh, and then another one is that you could uh, give like a free trial for like 60 days uh, and learn how to optimize for getting the customer uh, built, built, building that relationship with them and having them a habit basically of them reading your content, consuming it, and then, you know, learning how to get them embedded with that and then asking them, you know, okay, your trial is up, like convert to a paying customer. I think the freemium model would work best for a project bag in this case. Um, but, you know, I would definitely communicate with the customers to find out if, through primary research what the, the, the first, the most valuable pieces of content, you know, like where is most of the value coming in from for them? Uh, and then maybe you can even do an educational course, for example. That's you a know, great an, idea. An ed educational course would be quite a nice idea, perhaps. Um, and then if you wanted to take it any, another step further, then you could maybe do, um, you know, physical products that support that, you know, what, what tools do entrepreneurs need, you know, and that's another upsell. And then you can start to develop like a value ladder and like have a funnel. So, um, you know, the free content, then you have a course and then you'd upsell to like consulting or maybe like a, another uh, lateral cross sell from the, the educational courses to have the supplementary physical products. So there's a lot you could do there. Um, I would, I would, but the, the first starting point would be to figure out where the value lies of your existing business. Um, I had a conversation with somebody recently on a consulting call actually about how to move them from, uh, you know, on from a free product to a freemium product, and uh, and that was basically the kind of advice that I gave them. That's great. That's great. And you know, I. I do appreciate you uh, humoring me in this because I think it's really cool for people who are watching this to, to see your expertise and knowledge in action, uh, you know, working with something that they're already watching. You know, it's like they you're in it now we're, and we're all part yeah. of it. I think it's really, really cool. So thank you for doing that. Um, you're, more, you're more than welcome. Um, yeah, I, I think it's really cool as well. I think. Um, having those like kind of like think tank sessions and seeing what comes up is really uh, very insightful if you're a part of it. So, yeah, no, I think it's a good idea. Especially on a live call where it will be <laughs> <laughs> put into history forever. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's unfortunate then that everything's running out of battery right now. <laughs>
okay. This is uh, the, 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 then you know it's real. You know, it's not rehearsed. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, you know, I, Stefan, I really do appreciate you coming on the show today. Uh, I do have just two more questions for you. Uh, I know you're running out of battery and, and running out of time as well. So, you know, I'll try to cut this short. Um, but first question for you is we talked about the past. We talked about the present. What does the future hold for you? Woo. Let's just say I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for me, um, I think I want to uh, establish my first win, uh, proper win, proper win. You know, I've got a lot of like small wins, little projects, lots of things that build up credibility when you tell the full picture. But I want to be able to say like, I did this. And then really my next thing I want to move on to, I don't know what it is, but I feel like it's going to be more impactful in the world. Um, I think that a lot of the, to, to what, where I've got to, gotten to today is about kind of like, helping others succeed and helping ultimately, you know, them grow their businesses. And, and that's great because I feel like I'm giving something to them, but I feel like there's something even greater that I could do that could rather than be focused around helping others succeed, but like actually contribute something back to the world or, um, you know, something that can have a, a real impact on society and, and the bigger challenges that we're facing. You know, there's some serious challenges that are out there and that people don't have the courage to actually say, or, or they're not crazy enough to go, okay, I'm going to have a go at solving that. Uh, we just accept it and we're like, okay, cool. I'm focusing on my life because we're very tunnel visioned. You know, we're, we're all, here's a really great nugget, actually. You know, a lot of people get, you know, self-conscious. They're, you know, they're worried about what do people think? Here's a little experiment. When you sit down next time you're in Starbucks, watch people, right? And see, you know, if you feel, for example, self-conscious, like walking through a place, right? What do people think of me? Now observe yourself, uh, now that you've observed yourself walking through a place like public place, you can you can identify that you're thinking about yourself, right? Now apply that to everybody else. Now when you're next in a Starbucks, look at everybody else. They're in their own world. They're only caring and thinking about themselves. So you, there's no reason to feel self-conscious because everybody's so self-obsessed, really. Like they're they're so consumed by their own issues and problems that they're not thinking about you. There's no reason to be upset or not upset by feeling insecure or concerned about what other people think. So just do it. You know, that's a nugget. But um, yeah, I think um, for me, it's going to be taking it to the next level, really. Uh, and I know it sounds vague and loose, but contributing back, you know, bigger challenges and bigger issues that need solved in the world. Um, so, yeah. That's great. That's great. So, uh, Stefan, I really do appreciate your time today. I got one more question for you. Uh, you know, I have really uh, had a pleasure talking with you today. Um, the the last question for you today is, uh, is there anything about yourself that you think is an important part of who you are that I did not ask you about today? In other words, what did I miss? Hmm. Uh, nothing specific. I, I think that I think it kind of goes all back to the same place that we're all dealing with stuff. Right. And I think, uh, being empathetic is a, is a really important part of business and your cost, you know, regarding your customers, but also other people in life. And, um, that's just like a personal, like level thing. Um, but there's nothing specific about myself that I don't think we've covered. Um, I don't know. That's yeah. That's a really good question though. Damn. I wish I had a better answer. Than that. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, 
you know, Stefan, again, I really do appreciate your time. Really appreciate you coming on the show today. Uh, for people who want to take it to the next level with you and, and get more involved with what you're doing and, uh, you know, maybe get in touch with you, uh, what's the best place for them to reach out to you? Sure. So, first of all, thanks for having me on here, by the way. I appreciate it. Um, best place to find uh, Subly is, well, subly.co. Um, but if you want to talk to me about bootstrapping or business or, you know, just generally, you know, talk, talk shop, uh, you can find me on Twitter. It's just my full name at Stefan pretty. And that's F, uh, F for Stefan. And also on medium, I publish content now and again, uh, <laughs> now and again, but no, I, I like to write some essays on there. So, uh, you can find me on medium as well, using my, my name, full, full name as well, Stefan pretty. So, um, yeah, I look forward to connecting with, uh, like-minded people. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, to everybody that's listening, I want to thank you guys so much. Uh, Y'all are the reason that we do what we do. And hopefully this has fulfilled its purpose of educating and inspiring you to help you turn your dreams into reality. If you guys are thinking about launching a subscription business, now you have the tool to do it. You have the expert here talking to you. You have the tool uh, that's subly.co, S-U-B-B-L-Y.co. Go over, check it out, talk to Stefan make it happen. There's nothing that's stopping you guys. There's nothing that is preventing you from doing the things that you want to do. And you guys are fantastic. You guys are the best. I love you guys very much. So thank you for coming on the show. Stefan, take it away, man. Uh, you know, can, can you wrap up for us this last 30 seconds? Absolutely. I mean, all I'm going to say is thanks for listening to anybody who's still listening to us ramble. And uh, Ben, thanks for reaching out, man. I appreciate it. I've had a great time. Uh, sorry about the battery situations. I'm actually pretty sure that it's literally just cut out now again. <laughs> and um, yeah, no, I can hear you good. Um, but yeah, uh, you know where I am. Love to help you with your subscription business endeavors or just in general about bootstrapping. And um, yeah, keep keep rocking on, guys. Like keep keep pushing forward. Like it's going to be tough, but it'll be even better at the end of it. Great. All right, everybody. You have a fantastic day. Let's build a better world together. Bye.